Greetings and welcome to Visibility with your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culbreth. You may call us to share your thoughts, pose a question, or to give a general comment by dialing area code 323-642-1562. And now, Dr. Culbreth. Visibility. I'm your host, Dr. Donna Maria Culbreth, and I am coming to you live as we do each Wednesday. Today, guys, we have a really awesome show. As you know, we're in this is episode two of the series, Our Voices, Our Stories, the mini series. And in today's episode, we will be discussing, celebrating women of color, writers. So it's going to be a great show. Our focus today is going to be on the how the voices of girls and women of color are celebrated through poetry, essays, um, plays, novels, fiction, nonfiction, short stories, as well as other writings. Topics will include the healing power of the written word, finding your voice and yourself through writing. We're going to talk about passion, purpose. And then finally, we're going to focus in on encouraging girls and teens to write because that is so important. Our guests today are also contributors, the authors and contributors to the National Girls and Women of Color Council's anthology, Our Voices, Our Stories, which is an anthology of writings in which we advance, we celebrate, embrace, and empower girls and women of color. Now, the anthology will be available for purchase in April, and we are actually celebrating these series as well as Women's History Month. So sit back, put in your seatbelts, and let's get ready for an awesome show. Let me begin, first of all, by introducing our guests in alphabetical order. Our first guest is Ms. Crystal D. Mayo. Ms. Mayo, the writer an actress, editor, and teaching artist. She's a native New Yorker whose literary works are rooted in the African-American experience. Her memoir, Evolution of Me, is a literary collection of snapshots that chronicle growing up in the South Bronx during the 1970s. Her performance piece, Laugh, highlights her mother's journey through a diagnosis of breast cancer. Ms. Mayo hopes the readers will read her memoirs and connect to the essence in the human experience. She's also the founder of My Daughter, My Legacy, an arts and education company that empowers youth to explore their voice and vision through literary, literacy and the arts. Her submissions to the anthology, Our Voices, Our Stories, were Ms. Harriet and Remembering Ma B. Our second Please, guest is... Yes, I'm sorry. Good evening, Ms. Mayo. Our mm-hmm. second guest is Ms. Loretta Moore. Ms. Moore is a multi-published African-American female writer of novels, poetry, essays, and short story collections. To, to, some, to name some of her published works, they include From a Narrow Path, The Light of Day, The Color of Murder, Saving Grace and Love, the Way of Love, Bottom Tales, and Others. Ghost 
writing is another area as a writer she's enjoyed. She's also written um, plays that have been produced, and they are down the way with Calvin and Boogie, Sharon, The Spirit, Gossamer's People, I've Been Blessed, Church Time in New Orleans, Riding a Peacock. She holds a degree in English and has been applauded for theatrical presentations as well as for successful prose endeavors. She maintains affiliations with theater and literary organizations. And when she's not writing, um, she also volunteers in her community and she's active within her church. Her submission to the anthology is The Bottom in My Time. Mm-hmm. Our next guest is Miss Kim Marie Walker, who's an author. She works. She's also on um, the phone of voices in Rhode Island Writers Colony and Wild Acres Writing Retreat. Her in progress travel memoir, Truth Place, Part One, chronicles her 2016 solo pilgrimage to historic U.S. transatlantic slave trade. Honoring America's first Africans of the Middle Passage. Ladies, good evening and welcome. Good evening to you. Well, we I thank you for having me. First, I would like to say thank you all for submitting your awesome work to the anthology. And wait, before I forget, I didn't mention um, Miss Walker's contribution, her submission to the anthology. And correct me if I'm not pronouncing this correctly. Is Rumanoni's La Luz? Did I pronounce that correctly? Yeah, it's just like the uh, the uh, Persian poet Rumi, Rumanoni. Like Wanda McChad, right? So, listeners, what we're going to do before we even get started in, in, in holding a really good discussion on on celebrating our authors. If we go back and look historically, from Nikki Giovanni to Lorraine Hansberry, we have Alice Walker, Tony Morrison, Maya mm-hmm. Angelou, Zora Neale Houston, and Jay California Cooper, among others, who were women of color who have written about love, pain, um, racism, colorism, about life, growing experiences, relationships, and all of their voices and their writings, they made a difference, and they also helped pave the path for women of color writers today. So as we get into this episode, keep in mind how important it is for the voices of not just women, but girls and you know, teens of color to write. And I think it's important that we encourage them. And one of the great Um, I believe great uh, parts of us actually putting together this anthology is that we've made history as women of color. All of us, the authors um, who've contributed, um, the editors, the National Girls and Women of Color Council, we are making history with this anthology because we have the voices and the stories of so many women of color, especially international voices, included in this anthology. So we have indeed collaboratively made history. Having mm. said that, I mean, writers, I mean, um, ladies, what are your thoughts on that, how we're making history? I think we are. Yeah, yeah I, I think, think we are. I think that I hadn't even thought of it that way, but 
since you said that, it is something to think about because um, I think amongst the ones the ones who are here and the ones who are in the anthology also, uh, I think we're all contributing to a message and a broadening outlook about what life is through a writer's eye. And I think mm-hmm. um, it gives everybody, it gives people a chance to experience things that they would not have except through what we're saying as writers. We we translate and, tra- and, and I think we in, interpret life so that others can know more about what, what they may not may not ever experience and also what they may have experienced, which was bad or good. But I think we open up a door, a window, I should say, a window on life for people that maybe they wouldn't have ever pushed open and, and seen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought it was very interesting that you, you said that too. I mean, uh, my memoirs are based on women who, uh, well, my B is my grandmother, and Miss Harriet was like my like the matriarch of the neighborhood that I grew up in. They both have passed on, and when you say history, I was like, yeah, but I do think of it that way because really, it's like the lives of the people that I write about still pulsate; they still live on. Whenever someone turns that page, whenever somebody reads it, you know. And when you said that, that's how it kind of resonated with me. And I think maybe with uh, other contributing writers as well, they might feel that same way. You know, you that page of whatever it is that you've written with your heart and soul is something that's like kind of like an artifact that can be looked upon from years from now. I have a daughter, too, and a son. So it's really like a way to keep the, that history going, living and right. breathing. Mm-hmm. It is. Oh, Absolutely. I I like to think of my writing as, uh, you know, in the days of scribes, of, of witnessing and, and observing uh, what's happening in our time and mm-hmm. stories that my parents didn't tell me are the ones that I really wonder about. The ones, right. the stories that my parents, I, I didn't know my grandparents, so the stories that my 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 parents told me and that I heard through my aunts and uh, great aunts and great uncles. Those are the stories that in, inform me, but I think about all the stories that they didn't say and that they didn't mm-hmm. tell me. And and that's a form of history. So just opening myself up to uh, uh, the divine the divinity of writing, and, and I'll talk about that later, but I believe when I sit down and write that there's, that I am a, a, a portal for writing. I, it, it, it's not me. It's me opening myself up to whatever wants expression. Uh, and, and certainly it starts with my ancestors and, and this, this planet that we're all on that is, you know, I believe to be, I'm a geologist by background, so uh, mm-hmm. uh I, I, I love the outdoors, and so that forms uh, a lot. And, of course, you know, we have, uh, well, I can speak for myself as an African-American, black American here in America. Uh, I, on this soil in America, we come from such a lineage of, of, of travels with the earth, a forced migration here on the earth. And right. that expression of being with the earth is is uh, in each of our lineages. Mhm. That's right. Uh if that makes, it is. if that makes sense. 
It does. Mm-hmm. It does. Thank you, Paul. So let, let's start with this. Let's start with you, Miss Walker. What inspired you to begin writing? Um, probably like the other authors on the panel and yourself, what inspired inspired me uh, at a very early age, I started the diaries, you know, um, uh, trying to explore my feelings on paper when I was growing up. And then I advanced to journals where it wasn't all about what was happening to me, but was what was happening in the greater world. And no. in my 20s, uh, I had some, I had two actually three uh, experiences which really solidified my my love of the written word. And one was being bullied by other black girls. I wasn't accepted by them because I didn't act black enough. Yeah. The, yeah. And the second one was, you know, I'm of the age I uh, uh, went through uh, my tweens in the early 60s. So that was in the Midwest, in Minnesota, that was the start of integration, integrating the school. So I was part of that busing integration uh, phenomena. And so I had these uh, black girls bullying me, and then I had white kids, you know, not accepting me. And I decided right, right then and there, you know what? It's going to be me, myself, and I. <laughs> so, and I was cool with that, but I had a place to go with that, and that was my journal. Uh, and then the third thing was finding nature and being outdoors. In nature, I found this freedom that I didn't have when I was uh, in context of uh, going to school and, you know, going to brownie, uh, being a brownie and, you know, just growing up type of things. And so uh, in nature, I found a, a, a sanctuary. And uh, it's, it's been a sanctuary for most of my life. Uh, because being in nature, there's no judgment. Nature doesn't care if you're black, white, green, or polka dot. That's true. So I, I would say those those three things really inspired and informed my writing. And you know what? I think it. I think it can really be inspirational for girls and young black, specifically. It's bullying so much, and it's better than acting negatively. I. No, that's an excellent point that you made. They could turn that into something. Write about it, journal, you know, keep a diary. And mm-hmm. I, it's also part of helping them deal and move forward. So that's excellent. Thank you. Miss Moore, what about you? What inspired you to begin writing? Oh, gosh. I think I knew it from, from as a little girl. I think I remember. I think I had something inside of me that, wanted to embrace I wanted to embrace life and have experiences that I didn't have I guess I don't know I, but I think I knew as a little girl that I wanted to be a writer and uh mm-hmm. it, it uh what what it manifested itself in things that I would do like uh I remember writing plays uh as a little girl not necessarily on paper because that early I couldn't write I wasn't able to write it was just maybe 3 maybe 4 years old but I can remember um my my siblings and I uh, I would I would write plays for them in my head but I would just, I would act out the plays for them they would do the parts of in the plays they would have parts in the plays but I wouldn't write it down because I couldn't even write them but I remember I was always interested in expression expressing life and I just started out that way I think as a little girl and um, 
And I, I just always, and then I, when I was able to write, I did start to write, you know, when I was old enough to learn to write. And then I would start to write things. I've always written. I've always been a writer. That's wonderful. Well, I've always been a writer. Oh, and there was another. There was there was another thing that was really weird that happened to me as a little girl. Um, I was sitting on the front steps. I, brought, I was brought up in Philadelphia, in uh, the working class section of Philadelphia called the Bottom. Believe it or not, and that's where uh, the Bottom in my time. That's that's that that Bottom is a place in Philadelphia. They don't call it that anymore, I don't think. But when I was growing up, it was called the Bottom. It was a working class uh, community. But at any rate. Uh, I can remember sitting on the front steps of a row house where we lived. And um, I remember looking up into the sky, and there was a cloud. And I know it sounds silly, but on that cloud was, um, oh, gosh, there was a, a person sitting on that cloud, and he had a, uh, a a pen, but not really a pen. It was a feather. Uh, it was, uh, gosh, what's his name? Inside? But he was he was a writer. Of, he was an old writer from long ago, and he was on that cloud with a pen, which was a feather, in his hand. It was like he was almost saying to me, he didn't say it with his mouth, but he was just, I could feel him pulling me. As, and it was like saying, you, this is what you will do. Well, wow. A vision, huh? Mhm. Yeah. I told my mother. <laughs> I think, but but you know, it's funny because she understood me. She she never said you were. I was a special child, but she did tell me. I remember she said, you know, you're different from the other kids, you know. But so she picked up on it. She did, and all and throughout my life, she's always told me keep writing, even when I thought, oh, I don't want to do this. It's not going to work. She would always tell me keep writing, keep writing. Mm-hmm. She did that. Because she wow, knew that was what I was supposed to do, I guess. That's wonderful. Miss Mayo, what about you? What inspired you to begin writing? Well, I think when I was little, I used to love to read. And before I could read, my mom used to always read to me. So I think just the love of books and words and how words sounded together, I always loved that ideal. So I started to write when I was in maybe second or third grade, and I used to write short stories. And I remember my teacher would put on the paper, did you write this? And I used to go home and tell my mom, and my mother was like, you know, not very happy. And and, uh, I never knew when she went to the parent-teacher conference what she said to the teacher. She never shared. And before I even thought about asking her, she had passed away. But just that red ink on the margin with those words, believe it or not, made me want to keep writing. And I remember my mom just told me, like your mom said, keep writing. Mm -hmm. And I think at that point, was it Ebony Jr. was out? I don't remember the name. It was like a a publishing company for young people's writing. And I remember my mother was like, don't worry, we're going to, you know, publish your stuff. And Ebony Jr., just keep on going. And I did. And she eventually switched me to a school um, on the Grand Concourse in the Bronx for the Talented and Gifted. And it was a totally different environment. And everything I wrote and everything that anyone wrote was just so celebratory, and they mm. put it in journals, and then mm. I really felt like, okay, I have a voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was wow. really quiet as a child, which is ironic because I ended up being an actress, but <laughs> I really <laughs> felt like my words were powerful, like, oh, I have a voice, I have a say. And I just mm. continued to write, 
through elementary. I went to the performing School of Performing Arts, LaGuardia, and inspired to write there. And I think the biggest inspiration was probably death. I mean, when my mom passed away, it was devastating. There was no way to articulate it. I didn't know how to deal with it until finally I put the pen on paper. And that's how I just began to kind of process the world around me. I began to try to make sense of things, and I began to feel like I could heal. And ever since then, being that I was an actress too, I would write different monologues or different poems and perform them. So writing for me has always been really hand-in-hand with anything that I do. And then just growing up and having my mother pass away and um, the women who helped raise me, they all passed away from all different types of cancer. That was really my way writing to pay homage to them. Um, So it's always been such a a beautiful, powerful healing tool for me and just uh, a beautiful thing to teach when I have to share the knowledge that I know with young people in public schools who don't necessarily think that they have a voice, Um, especially young ladies who feel that, you know, no one's going to listen to me or, you know, why should I write something down? It's... um, it's just a really powerful tool to to understand uh, another person and to really get through to especially a lot of young people, like I said, who feel that they don't have a say, they don't have a voice. It's such a great way for them to process the world around them. I think it is. I think it is too. I think it's beautiful. Thank mm-hmm. you, Wolfie. I can tell you for me, I think for writing, I was in high school, and I think I joined literary magazine, Quiddity. I wrote a poem. I think I wrote two poems and mm-hmm. published, and that inspired me. And then after that, my sister, Lisa, she used to write the most awesome short stories and poems, and she mm-hmm. inspired me to write. So now every time I write something, I print it up, and I, she lives right next door to me, and I take it next door and I'm like, read this. Mm-hmm. But uh-huh. inspired me to keep writing to find my voice through that um written for him. And then when I kind of fell into a slump with the writing, uh, Miss Loretta Moore pulled me out of that slump last year. And just said, oh, so I, I owe my continued um, zest for writing because I'd love, if I could just write full-time ladies, that's what I would do. But I have to work. So. Mm-hmm. But if I had to, I would write so in Miss Moore, when I was telling Miss Moore last year that, you know, I just can't seem to get it, get it back. I don't know what's going on. And she gave me the most awesome pep talk I've ever had in my entire life. And because of her, I was able to continue finishing with the anthology and put together my book of um, uh, of essays and writings that I'll get published hopefully in April of the year. But it's amazing how life's experiences and can move us to put the pen to the paper Mm-hmm. And when we do, so thank all of you. Let me ask you this collaboratively, and anyone can just jump in and answer first. What interested mm-hmm. all of you? Your writings to the anthology, our voices, our stories. Um, who wants, let's say, let's start with Miss Moore. 
Okay, would you repeat, second? I didn't quite hear the first part. What? Okay, what interested you in submitting your writing to the anthology, Our Voices, Our Stories? Okay, let's see. I wrote the bo- I, I submitted an essay called The Bottom of My Time. Um, <clears throat> I um, let's see what I just thought. Um, I just thought it was a an essay um, that might be interesting to to people, to readers. I mean, I didn't even think about any. I didn't have any specific reason for sending that one. I, I, I probably wish I had sent a short story, well, because I think. Uh, Submitted a, a short story because I think a short story would have been um, it would have been more point it would have been it would have been more um, it would have directed itself to to girls and women more uh, because the bottom of my time is an essay that speaks about a time and a period and in in, in in time which I wish I'd written sent like I said a short story I really do because um, it would have been more effective and it would have been directed. It would have been more the kind of thing you would have wanted for, for for girls and women to read about because I do have some short stories that are so they they really do pinpoint the problems that women and girls go through. I really do wish I had done that, but I didn't. But but the bottom of my time is an essay about a period in time and the way things were and the way they are now. I bring it up to somewhat the way the way they, the things are now in society, the way society has well not progressed but <laughs> digressed. Because things have gotten so much worse in society, especially in the black community. I mean, I can yeah. see an uptick in crime. Everything good, and, and I think I expressed that in the bottom of my time. I, I think yeah. I did. How things have changed. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. good facts. Miss Walker, what about you? What inspired you to submit to the anthology? Um, I was at a point uh, uh, about a year and a half ago where I had gotten out of sync with the rituals and uh, the rituals that I used to do. Um, I left Alaska after 30 years to move back to Minnesota to take care of my mother and father. My mother had ALS and father had two stage four cancers and dementia. And uh, for key honoring and intense years, uh, I walked this path with them. Uh, and mother died first and then father died afterwards. And uh, perhaps one of the, those three years were the best thing that I've ever done in my entire life. Uh, I came to this planet to be with them during those three years. Then it was, uh, it was that time that um, I was allowed to be there for them and shine, as far as I'm concerned. It was the most important thing that I could have ever done in my life. And um, my father died in 2012 and those three intense years, uh, re- not recovering from them, but recovering from having my mother and father gone within two years of each other, um, yeah. I had not returned to the rituals that I had established. And so when I saw uh, the uh, the call for for the anthology, I went right to the I went right to my keyboard and I. I pounded out Ruminani in one night, uh, to tell wow. you the truth. Um, and, and, and I wrote it because I wanted to inspire, establish their own rituals and their own sacred altars uh, to incorporate whatever religious and spiritual wonderment that they might have in their lives, but to also establish your own 
within mm. the sanctuary of your home. Mm. Um, and and to, and I wanted to encourage thinking that the ordinary, if you really quiet enough, or maybe you could be ecstatic and in the middle of jamming to some song, but that in every moment that we live contains divinity, to look always for the divinity when mm. you can. Mm-hmm. You know, we can't right. do it all the time. I, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but to uh, to at least look for it. So Manani's Lelouch just was, you know, and, and then I have this love affair with the full moon. I mean, I just, yeah, I love I'm that. a lover of the full moon. I, I, mm-hmm. I admit it. <laughs> uh, and uh, so you, you combine that with Ruminani's uh, uh, opening up herself. And it is kind of a, I don't know, uh, Dr. Kobreth, you've read it. I don't know if it's speculative fiction. It would be considered uh, speculative. I probably would be. Uh, I think because things happen to her in this short story that are just, you know, pretty, pretty phenomenal. And so writing it just felt really freeing and then also, you know, just offering this space for readers to say, you know what, after I get through reading this, I'm going to go establish some kind of ritual. That's exactly what it, um, my sister Lisa was reviewing it and she came back and she said, wow. And that's all she kept saying was, wow, this was deep. It was really mm. good. Miss uh, Mayo, what about you? What inspired you to submit to the uh, your writing? Oh, I I, I want to read that piece about the ritual. That sounds really good. Me too. Good. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to read the pieces. You will love it. Um, I think uh, an anthology. First of all, I thought that was like really big to have to be a part of something that's so that's greater. That's bigger, a selection of, you know, pages of different stories of women. And I just thought that the two women that I wrote about needed a great home. And I thought in my head, this has got to be the best home for them to start. This is wow. perfectly for their home wow. for these stories to be told. And it was just as simple as that. And as soon as I saw it and I read through the description, I said, oh, I know exactly which two stories I'm going to submit, and that's mm-hmm. exactly what I did. So it was a really simple process. I think analogies are just um, just powerful and just a great way for any reader to be exposed to so many different perspectives, so many different ideas, just hearing the other sisters, you know, memoirs and, you know, their their literary selections, it just gets you so excited about reading. Um, so that was an easy one. <laughs> oh, good. Thank you. Okay, let's move on. Here's my next question. Why is it important for the voices and stories of girls, teens, you know, and women of color to be heard? You know, and when I ask you that question, consider how historically, especially up until the last couple of years, how of color and women of color were deemed practically invisible. Their voices were not important. Their stories were not being heard. They were like not significant enough to talk about or focus in on. So when we look now in the millennium, in each of your individual opinions, why do you think it's so important now that people hear their voices loud and clear? Miss um, Mayo. Um. 
Well, I I want to just kind of focus on like teens and teen girls, especially. Right. I think a lot in this time, it's a lot of competition. It's bullying. It's girls pitting, you know, being pit against each other for whatever reasons. And it's just such a need for girls to sit down and and talk and vibe and really understand, like, you know, first who they are, like where they're coming from, and then kind of see each other as, as you know, a sisterhood circle and talk about these things and understand that they're not alone about particular situations. Um, and I see that a lot when I go into schools, and especially when I was a teaching artist in New York City, how just writing down thoughts or writing down a, a poem, or a spoken word piece and expressing it, how that really opened doors and avenues for a discussion. Um, it, it was a, a, a beautiful platform. It was a way for them to understand, too, that their vulnerability is a big form of strength. It wasn't that you're being weak or, you know, your vulnerability, you being able to put something out on the table that you feel is important for you to express in a safe space. You know, your voice is relevant. Your feelings are relevant. I just think a lot of those things are missing and are needed. And especially there are so many um, young teens who need some healing on many different levels, emotionally, psychologically, and I think that writing is such a great avenue for that. Whether they share it or not, sometimes it's just the ideal of, of, of writing whatever it is down on paper. It's powerful. It's your thought. It's your truth. And I think yeah, we want them to know how to sit in their truth. You've got to give them an avenue for them to find their truth and express their truth and know that they've got voice and vision. I mean, that's a really big thing for all young people, but especially girls of color. It is. Yeah. I think that's so important. Miss Walker, what are your thoughts? I've got two thoughts uh, piggybacking off of uh Miss Mayo, um, I don't know if any of you uh, have been on or on Twitter. Um, in the last couple of days, there's been kind of a discussion. I guess some youngins, black youngins, I am assuming they were black youngins, were talking about uh, a 30-year-old video of Dr. Maya Angelou, uh, in which she cor- corrects a young young black woman, a young black girl, uh, who calls her by her first name. And uh, Maya Maya says, uh, I should say, Miss Angelou said, uh, oh, no, darling, Uh, I'm Miss Angelou to you. Uh, I'm your sister. I'm your auntie. I'm your, uh, you know, she goes on to explain why. And, um, And... I'm old school, so I'm I'm in that same vein. That's the way that I grew up. But what I I kind of think about that that the youth bringing that up as to you know well why should we do this for our elders and you know you know what's so special about that? Mm-hmm. Um, 
is that the youth of today, what I have gained from them is I grew up in a respectability mindset to to survive in a white male world and society and culture. And so I was, I was taught things to help me to survive. And in my 50s, I started shedding some of those things that I learned uh, because I, they no longer applied to me. Hmm. What I really uh, appreciate about the, the, I don't know if you call them Gen Xers or Millennials or whatever, but they are unapologetically who they are. Mm-hmm. They're unapologetically young black girls and, and, and young girls and young women. And that is a freedom. And I think as, as much as I'm old school that uh, it's important to listen to their voices and to talk with them wherever they're at, even That's though it true. might come against my, my form of quote-unquote respectability, is to pause and listen, well, where is this coming from, um, to, uh, to, to guide them. And then to be able to point them to uh, writers and authors who explore something that they're going through. Uh-huh. You know, uh, to kind of direct, not direct them, but to give them uh, a sense of this, this history of, of, of women writing uh, that, uh, that can inform where they are. And I, I don't know if I'm saying that that right, but um, you are. It is. okay. That's right, Miss Moore. What? I'm sorry, Grace. Oh, I was just going to say the other thing is uh, why is it important for voices and stories of girls, teens, and women is because it plants uh, the uh, the voices and stories of girls, teens, and women plants the seed. Uh, in 1985, I went to. Uh, United Nations National Women's Conference in Nairobi, Kenya, my first time out of the United States. And I think somewhere between twenty to 30,000 women from around the world convened there. And I'd like to think that this is like the second, I think this is the second uh, international conference of women. And I'd like to think that uh, the girls, teens, and women that were at that conference that they laid a foundation for where we are at today. Mm. It's true, I agree. Mm-hmm. And, and we've got a long way to go, and so we need to empower our girls for the next four, five, six, seven, eight generations. Mm-hmm. I agree, Miss. You're right because it's important. I just to like that. to. Uh, she, what she said made a lot of sense. Uh, both authors, a lot of sense. Um, I don't have much to say on this except that uh, the role of womanhood has uh, changed a lot over the centuries and over the years. And we're at a very free and liberating point right now. Womanhood, womanhood is, is, and I think that's a good thing. And I think uh, women, but they're still looking for where they fit in society. We're still trying to reach reach that place where we really feel we fit so um but i think we're doing a good a good job going there and getting there because a lot of things are changing and they're changing in the favor of womanhood and her place in society um so i think that's a good thing and i think uh reading other women's work or works that are about women and what life is for women 
and how mm-hmm. what what it means to women, how it reflects women's lives. I think that's good that they that they get a chance to see other lives and how women live their mm-hmm. other women live lives. And I think that, that broadens what life is about and how they can fit into life and how they can handle the problems that life presents women and girls. And um, so I think reading about re- reading about women and, and their lives and reading women writers who uh, write about their lives helps them to find their way and to find that fit that every woman in American society is trying to find. Yeah, I, think mm-hmm. that's, I agree. I think and I think it's... I'd like no, to no, add please. just one other thing is that there are girls and teens doing some amazing things, you know, mm-hmm. for all of us. Mm-hmm. We've got right. uh, Little Miss Flint, um, uh, Pro Penny in Michigan. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, all the, uh, what am I thinking of? Uh, some of the young kids that are uh, spearheading the change for uh, uh, climate change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, and and there's st- there's you know when I was their age, I was still writing in my journal. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> and they're out on the forefront being activists, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot to be said for even uh, girls and teens to be empowered from their own peers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a big one. Mm-hmm. I agree. So important, and I also think that it opens doors for them um, to pass other than what they probably expected, and I think it empowers them. The writing can also empower them in ways that they never even imagined. So when they they're listening to their voices, they're being heard. Their stories are being told, and one of the, the key points in in celebrating girls and women of color, especially with the anthology, is that. Their voices are being heard all over the world. They mm-hmm. will read their words. They will, and my goal, one of my biggest goals with the anthology was so that society could embrace and learn to, you know, stop, listen, read, really understand, and hear what they're saying. A lot of the young women in the anthology, and I was happy that we had young women submit, um, they were talking about how they feel um, because of the way they're treated, because of the color of their skin, or if they were a mixed race, or mm-hmm. or being told, like, um, Walker noted that they're not black enough, and how to act like a true black young lady. So I said, when people read the anthology, I think they're going to walk away saying, okay, this is the reality. Young women are feeling these are their experiences. This is what they live, breathe, and think day of their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's important to always hear the, especially young people's voices, give them that platform, encourage them, and keep them, you know, up to the top, support them as much as we can. They are our future. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. And we need them, and I think it's important. I think that the writing, encouraging them to write is is. I think equipping them with a valuable skill set that can take them, you know, like I said before, so many different places. Mm-hmm. A dream. Mm-hmm. So let me move on. Yeah. We're ready, getting close on time. So let me skip yeah. through. Let me ask you, this question is for everybody, and we'll start with you, Ms. Moore. Mm-hmm. How was, and 
women of color, how they celebrated through poetry and essays and short stories and plays and novels, all kinds of writings. How are they celebrated? Um, <clears throat> oh, let's see. Um, I think, um, let's, let's see, I think they're celebrated in, in, in a lot of ways, and I think... Um, they by their expression the expression about them i think they they get in touch with the deepest part of themselves when they uh when they're expressed through they they also share that expression of the deepest part of themselves in uh, through different genres of writing and um so that's a good thing because it frees them because you can come into contact with the deepest part of yourself when you write also when you read and uh mm-hmm. i think that's that's good that uh, these different uh, venues not venues but uh ways of writing poetry theater um uh, short stories novels all of these ways uh give people women girls a chance to come into contact with a self they didn't know, but they can identify themselves at something in maybe that story or that play or whatever it is by because they were exposed to it and it, it gives them a chance to find out who they are and that they wouldn't might not might not have had they not read that book or had they not seen that play or read that play uh, I think art is the arts are a way of uh sharing and expressing and it's good for everybody and and for girls and women of color particularly because they really need to be fleshed out they have so many things they've had to live through and undergo because the role of a woman has always been the hardest of all of everybody you know it's always been so and there's so many different kinds of ways they've been affected by life in a harsh way so they really have a lot to overcome and to come into and to have revealed to them about reveal to them and to how to resolve it, and so every form of um, all genres of writing can help them a lot. Yeah, I agree. I think so. Also, Miss um, mm-hmm. Walker, your thoughts? Um, let me gather my thoughts here. I was thinking of my favorite author, Octavia Butler, and she was mm-hmm. my first introduction to sci-fi. Obviously. Uh, a writer uh, who died in, um, I think, the 1990s. And um, she, uh, you know, nowadays, uh, as uh, Mrs. Moore was saying, there are so many genres where women of color's voices are being heard. You look at Ava DuVernay, you look at Shonda Rhimes, you look at uh, anybody affiliated with them and, uh and the uh, genre of, of sci-fi and fantasy and even horror uh, genre. Um, uh, I joined uh, Twitter with the expressed intent and intention to uh, connect with and not connect in a, you know, a, a, to connect via Twitter um, with uh, other writers, other black, uh, black and uh, people of color, women of color writers. And what genres? And it blows me away that there is no genre that is without, without uh, our voices, mm. without without women of color voices. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's just wide open nowadays. And um, another thought I have is that I belong to a multi generational um, uh, women of color writing group, and mm. the writing that some of these young women come up with 
blows me away every time I hear their work. And they're 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 doing poetry, essays, short stories. One young woman um, is an aerial trapeze. She does aerial work, mm-hmm. and she she's this phenomenal writer, poet, uh, essayist, writer, um, and that their thoughts are they're deep, and and that's what uh, binds. Um, I think at this time uh, in the 21st century that uh, women of color, and I say that, you know, women of black and brown, it's just a beautiful time for us mm-hmm. uh, to recognize that, you know, here are our similarities, here's, and here's where we differ, and I'm going to listen to your story to learn what your history is or her story is, and, 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 and people are amenable to listening to one another at no other time that I know of. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know that I've lived in the last uh, couple of centuries, and so mm-hmm. I just I I have so much hope in our young girls. I just mm-hmm. I really do because they are uh, they're phenomenal. They are indeed. They're they phenomenal. Are. And mm-hmm. the thing about writing is that uh, writing is an art form art form that's free. It doesn't have to become a vocation. And it, uh-huh. become, it can become a life skill, uh-huh. and it's a life skill set with benefits. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. You can carry that with you all through your life. Uh-huh. That's right. And I think that is so, so important. Miss Mayo, what are your thoughts? Well, when you were talking, I was thinking about Ntozaki Shine Gay. And I have mm. to bring her up because when I Absolutely. was in the seventh grade, I can't remember the teacher, but I remember we had like we. I was in the theater, so she she introduced me to to some monologue with some woman throwing the flower pot across the stage. So I couldn't remember the the title of it. I just remember this plastic flower pot and watered it yourself, and I'm sure it was watered down, you know. And I threw it across. And I was like, okay. And it wasn't until I was in my 20s I had an audition for for Color Girls, and that was the monologue that was in there. And I was like, wait a minute, that's that monologue with the flower pot. But then all of a sudden, <laughs> as, as, in my, as a 20-year-old, in my mid-20s, I was like, wait a minute. Then I understood, the like, the words. Then I was like, oh, wait a minute. So this is what those were. Wait a minute. Those were just words back in junior high school, and I was throwing a pot. Now I'm kind of understanding what these words are and why she wants to throw the pot. And Uh the reason why I bring her up is because, like, that play never is just, it just never grows old. It's just relevant to uh, from a young lady to a, a a woman to you know. It's just like you can pick up those pages and read it, and mm-hmm. it will resound to you in such different ways than when you're 21 and 31 and 41 and 62. But it's those same <laughs> words, <laughs> but it reflects the whole you know. Womanhood, uh-huh. and then when you start to read, oh, that was the lady in blue. Oh, maybe I'm more like the lady in yellow, lady in red. It was just yeah, such a, like a coming of age for me mm-hmm. to read the book and then 
become a young woman and mm-hmm. learn to understand the monologues because at one time they were just words. And then mm-hmm. all of it, at one point in my life, I was like, whoa, I totally get what she was, was saying here. And then mm-hmm. there's still some monologues that I'm like, I may not totally get, but if I read it a little later on in life, I think I'm going to get all of that. <laughs> so there you go. Right. So that That's was such a beautiful really point. hit me when you said that, like, uh. wow, how we're celebrated, you mm-hmm. know? So it's not just the, the length of how we're celebrated, but it's the width. Mm, you know, yes. it's like, wow, mm-hmm. the yep. length and the width of how we're celebrated from one choreo poem. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and that's just right. one example. You know, so just imagine all of the varieties of of um, genres that you can mm-hmm. choose from that help you grow and help you reflect and mm-hmm. celebrate your womanhood as, mm-hmm. you know, a woman of color. So yeah, that's that really hit me when you said that. All of your, your comments have been so inspirational. I'll tell you, I, at the end of putting the anthology together, a teacher reached out to me, and mm-hmm. it was too late to include her girls' work in the anthology, um, you know, to go through the revision back and forth. So I'm working with her now, putting together a group of writings from her students and other girls. And she's mm-hmm. passed it on like other teachers, and which is so amazing, in other states. So it's not that it's just coming out of, you know, Georgia. She's reached out to her sister friends in other states who are also teachers, and now they have their students involved in it. And I think it's beautiful the way that these young women, these young girls are writing so mm-hmm. amazing that, mm-hmm. like you said, they're saying and doing things that when we were their age, we were like, you know, we were doing out, but they're just be more advanced, more, you know, they really are, they have words, they have stories to tell, mm-hmm. they have experience to share, and, she, you know, first when she came to me, she said, we can do this, Dr. C, I need you to work with me on this, and I told her, we've missed the deadline, but I will work with you on the second, you know, a mm-hmm. second one putting this together, but I think it's beautiful because it's going to be just the young girls' voices, mm-hmm. their story, you know, their mm-hmm. experience, mm-hmm. and she mentioned Izaki, um, I think it was maybe five or six of her young ladies, they actually wanted to go to the other girls, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking, but for me to see a, have a teacher reach out at the you know request of and hey go go talk to Doc again go 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 back to NGWC and see if we can work with them. So I am working with them, mm-hmm. and I explain you know, it would be a long long you know a long process, but I will work with the young ladies, help them critique their writings, mm-hmm. and in the end, like I. Explained, into her, the worst thing we can do, the young people, when they submit something to be to a publication of acknowledgement, the worst thing we they know, no, not enough, not written well. I'm from the old, and I believe that you give everybody every opportunity to make it. So, like mm-hmm. this with this anthology and the one we're doing with the young girls, I think it's important. Like I explained, you don't say to a young girl. No, that's not written well. X, X out. No, 
You say to them, mm-hmm. this is a lot of potential. This is going to be great. And I found out the key word with them is tweaking. If you say we're going to tweak, they love it. Mm-hmm. Like, when you go back, mm-hmm. oh, this isn't right. You know, and I explained to some of the young girls, I said, you know, go back and read Toni Morrison. You know, read mm-hmm. Lorraine mm-hmm. I made mm-hmm. a record about three weeks ago, and I told them, I don't want them to go to the to go get old DVD. I want them to read the book. Mm-hmm. Get Lorraine mm-hmm. Hansberry's. Read it. Mm-hmm. Um, read it. Read about the, read how those, look at the words on the paper. Look at the flow. And uh-huh. in doing, now I have like about maybe 12 of them who are on board as my mentees. And I always mm-hmm. tease, like, go away, leave me alone, I'm busy today. And they're like, no, we love you, Dr. C, pay us some attention. But uh-huh. <laughs> it's that uh-huh. I was a group of young girls and I took them and it's, and one little girl said to me, she almost made me cry and I'm not, I'm not a real you know, I don't cry easily. You know, it has to be a lot. And she said, you're like a female version of to serve with love because you you didn't give up on us. You just kept telling us mm, we can oh do my it. God. You know, and I have, and I can tell you ladies, I don't cry. I really don't. For me to cry, it has to be really something, <laughs> you know, that touches <laughs> yeah. like heart. And mm-hmm. have young girls who are 13, 14, 15, and 17 years old coming to you and saying, you know, you inspired me, you made me feel good. Mm. Um, so and looked at my work and she said it wasn't good. So I went back to, been working with them and I just had a telephone call and I said to her, listen, we want to celebrate their, them writing. We want them to be proud. Mm-hmm. When you say young girl, that's not good, that's not written well, you are now putting a damper on our spirit. You're putting water on the flames, mm-hmm. you know, that are burning mm-hmm. deep inside of her. Our goal as women, one of our main goals if we're going to work with them in writing is to encourage, inspire, mm-hmm. motivate, celebrate their accomplishments, even though, you know, some of the writing needed a great deal of work. It's the fact that they did it. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they had it well, They showed up. Mm-hmm. They showed up. They, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, I said, and so at first I figured, I said, you know, they're going to. And what happened was, I can tell you, ladies, originally, I'm living in an inner city for the first time in years. I relocated here. And it's in Jersey City, New Jersey. And mm-hmm. I reached out to, you know, a lot of the organizations here, mainly for black girls. Um, the NAACP, I reached out to the high schools to encourage them, mm-hmm. to encourage students to submit to the anthology, not one response. You're kidding. Wow. One response. But let me oh. tell you what I found heartening was that they're in the inner city. There's a lot of stuff going on in these girls' lives. Yeah. And they need a, they do need a lot of help here. They really do. Mm-hmm. But what I felt that I was getting submissions from girls in North Carolina, Illinois, Texas, uh, Tennessee, and these girls were so on top of their their game. And when I say that, I mean from the perspective that they wanted their voices to be heard. They mm-hmm. found beauty or something worthwhile in writing and putting down, putting things like you noted earlier, putting pen to paper. And for me, because at first you're in Jersey, but we didn't get a response. I'm like, are you kidding me? 
I might want to send letters to the Urban League, NAACP, encourage your young members to write, encourage your women to write. Mm-hmm. And there was a silence there that I found so alarming mm-hmm. and and upsetting because I'm saying to myself, where is the encouragement mm-hmm. from the teachers to say to these young mm-hmm. girls, I mean, hey, you don't have to submit to my anthology. Just write. Go anywhere and do it. Mm-hmm. But it was Bush there, it wasn't the encouragement. Or and then someone else said to me, Doctor Z, what you have to remember is that sometimes a lot of our children from inner city schools, they really need a lot of help with their writing. So mm-hmm. I said another I will offer free workshops, free workshops. You know, for your students, you just tell me when and where we can put this together and help them, you mm-hmm. know, think about something other than um, let me walk through the streets with a cup with liquor in it, or let me go mm-hmm. a mall and try trouble. Um, instead of them going, getting involved in things they should not getting into as young women, mm-hmm. it wasn't there. But the beauty I found in this whole the anthology, which it really made me want to read out girls and women of color writers, I started getting writing from girls from others. We had girls who were into and didn't work internationally. Mm. And to me, I found, I said, wow, this is so beautiful. So when the teachers kept coming back saying, Dr. Colbert, will you work with our students? Will you help us pull this together? And I'm like, but I'm not used to working with high school students. I work with college students. But I will tell you, ladies, it's been rewarding. It's been exciting. And the funniest part of it all is that these young people keep me on my toes. Mm-hmm. One of them, oh, absolutely. So, absolutely. And I have them communicate through their parents, emails. And one young lady said, are you slipping up? You were supposed to get this back to me two weeks ago. <laughs> and I've been sitting here waiting for you to review it and critique it and tell me what I need to do next. And I found it so beautiful that this young lady was saying, in other words, she was saying to me, I want to do this. I want mm-hmm. to be involved. Mm-hmm. And I think of all of you have noted tonight in your in your points that you've made, it's so important that we listen to hear their voices and that we hear we listen to understand that we hear exactly what they're saying and a lot of these young women, they do want to be engaged. They do want to be celebrated. And when mm-hmm. I say celebrate, I don't mean like giving honors and glory and flags and everything. They mm-hmm. want their voice celebrated. They want the fact that they're engaged and they're... Mm-hmm. They want to be valued. They want to be They want to be valued, yeah. They, they need to know their self They need to, yeah, their self-worth. They need to find their yep. self-worth. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Absolutely. And that's mm-hmm. what you're doing so... I laughed, so I had to set up a separate email account for them. And I'm laughing to myself because I said, and I said in the beginning, I said, this is probably going to be like pulling teeth to get them to submit stuff, you know, to include in the next book. But these young people are blowing me away. Mm. And I just find it beautiful. I find it enlightening. Now, again, I've told you all about my experiences with the anthology. This this next project is huge. Mm. And it's so much. Mm-hmm. But you want to know what, ladies? I wouldn't change anything about it because, mm-hmm. in the end, all of the contributions that came into our voices, our stories, the writings inspired me 
to want to work further with young women. So mm. I think you see how every now it's like a, it's going full circle where mm-hmm. the idea of doing the anthology um, and all the beautiful writings that came in. All of that alone. Well, if I, if I can right. make a pitch, if you, uh, Dr. Kobrev, if you need any help editing, um, uh, I would certainly love to volunteer. Mm-hmm. You listen. You've been recruited. You're, you're in. <laughs> I will send you yeah, an email. So you. <laughs> hey, listen, everybody. That was Miss Walker, correct? Yes, ma'am. And everybody, all my witnesses, she, she's in. Ah, uh, yes, we heard her. <laughs> we heard, we heard. <laughs> Thank you so much. I definitely need your help. Thank you. Thank you. So I want to thank all of you. We're running out of time. It's 9, nine o'clock. But before we leave, um, first, my guests, I want to thank each and every one of you. You've made this entire conversation just delightful tonight. Your words, your thoughts, your um, ideas, your points that you made. Is there any are there any projects that you're working on that you'd like to share with the audience or any websites <laughs> that would you like to share with them? Miss um, Walker, we'll start with you. Okay, well, thank you so much. Ladies, it's been an honor uh, to talk and chat with you. And as I said before, Dr. Kulpraff, thank you so much for what you do on behalf of so many. Uh, keep shining your light, lady. And, uh, and to the other authors, let's continue to write and illuminate the world. <laughs> um, I, my website is www.kimmariewalker.com. So just my full name, KimMarieWalker.com. And I'm working on, I just finished a, a middle grade book that's based upon my solo pilgrimage to uh, 50 documented historic transatlantic slave trade ports. And so I'm in the middle of revising that. And last summer I had to stop writing the travel memoir of my 2016 solo pilgrimage um, just because it got really emotional for me. Uh, in 2016, I traveled throughout Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, Connecticut, uh, and New Hampshire uh, along the East Coast uh, at these historic transatlantic slave trade ports honoring our Middle Passage Africans. And um, so I, I, it, I had to set aside the travel memoir. It just got too heavy for me. And I'm looking forward to the summer to pick that back up. So, Awesome. <laughs> Yay. And keep us posted on that. You come back, yes, and share with us. Ready? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Miss Moore. What anything you like to share about websites, um, projects, um, or books? Yeah, I certainly would. My website is http colon slash slash www. I'm sorry, not www. V Loretta Moore slash period, rather, com slash Loretta Moore. And there you'll see some of my renderings, some of the things I have that I'm offering, the books, plays, whatever. And also I'm working on a, uh, a, it's kind of an anthology, and it's called A Black Spiritual Mm -hmm. Journey, and it follows the path of of, uh, the black, since the the trade, the, the, I'm sorry, the slave trade, it it follows, it goes from there all the way up to the present. And uh, it's it's an interesting Anthology and it's got my plays and then it's got my essays, my short stories, all representing that path from enslavement all the way to the present. Wow! Awesome! Mm-hmm. Wow! That's awesome! 
Ms. Mayo, what about we would you like to see a website or any projects you're working on updates? Sure. I am I'm founder of My Daughter, My Legacy, which is an arts and education organization. And I'm doing some work in Stanford, Connecticut now for elementary students. The website for that is mydaughtermylegacy.com. Um, I'm working on formatting three manuscripts, looking for a home, children's, children's books. So um, I'll be working diligently on that in April. And um, my sisters told me to make sure that I keep writing, and I promise you that I will. So mm-hmm. I'm right. so honored to be a part of this conversation tonight. I'm going to go to bed just motivated and inspired to keep going. It was mm-hmm. lovely. Thank and you. keep sending out your work to different publishers. Don't give up. I will. That's right. I will. If, I, if I can help you, I, I might try to. I might be able to help you with finding a publisher because I'm with four different publishers. Oh, wow. okay. You definitely need to talk. Good. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> this is networking. Listen, my my email, my, my um, email address is vlmprod at aol dot com. So send me an email, and I'll I might be able I might be able to give you some publishers some. Uh, you know, some direction to some publishers. Thank you. Um, Thank you. VLM Pride. It's networking great. And what I'll do is, um, Ms. Mayo, I'll send you an email later after the show with Ms. Moore's email address in it just in case you didn't get it. And to our listeners, what I will do for our listeners, I will also post tonight after the show a link to the show and I will also include links to each author's website. Oh, thank you. you. You know, and getting oh, in contact. Mm-hmm. It'll mm-hmm. be a link, and I'll share it with everybody. Yes, so I would that... love to keep in contact with you, ladies. That would be lovely. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We definitely. And what I will do is, if um, if it's okay with you, if it's okay with all of you, I will share email with all of you with the email address is visible after the show tonight. Absolutely. And, okay. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Okay, and I'll mm-hmm. and I'll include links and everything for the archive of the show. But my guest, I want to thank each of you, Miss Walker, Miss Moore, Miss Mayo. You were awesome tonight, and you made. Um, I'm getting emotional. Like I told you, remember I don't oh. get emotional. I don't. Oh. Think that. I want to thank you for believing in and me and the work that I do for supporting me yeah. for submitting to the anthology because it's because of you that I do what I do, and I thank mm-hmm. you, and I say that with every fiber of my being and within my heart, I thank you for all that you ladies and are we, doing And I well. thank you. You're an yes. amazing person. You're, you're doing a good work. You're an amazing you. person. You really are. Thank you, Mike. It's mm-hmm. hard, and there are times when I get my moments, but if it weren't for you, for you and, your, and your outstanding writings that you submitted to this anthology, if it were not for your support, we wouldn't. I wouldn't be here doing what I do, and you keep me. And I always tell people, there are times when you don't know the, your words, your actions, your participation and support. That keeps me going to keep doing mm-hmm. what I do. Because mm-hmm. without you guys, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't have the motivation to keep doing what I'm doing. Because it can mm-hmm. get, it can get tough. It can get you know stressful, but. And it's the funniest thing I always tell people. I wouldn't have it any other way. I, I, mm-hmm. I love what I do. It's so your purpose. Thank- it's your calling. So you have to do mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do. It's, it's so- mm-hmm. That was my purpose. 
Yep. Thank you all so much um, for everything that you're doing to contribute to make a difference in the lives of girls and women of color as well, because mm-hmm. your writings are outstanding, your projects and the works that you do, um, your inspiration to, to, to our young women. And I shared your submissions from the anthology with some of the young women who are writing and to say to them, this is how you would write a short story. This is how you would write a essay. This is how you would write a poem, a play. Or, and they're like, wow, these people can really write. So mm-hmm. as we move along um, on that journey with the young women, and Ms. Walker will be in touch with you tomorrow about working with me with the young women in the second anthology. Um, Sounds good. But thank you all for everything, and thank you for being guests on the show thank tonight. Thank you so much. I thank, thank you, you so much. much. Okay, have a good evening, ladies. Okay, you thank you. Good night. Good night. Good Good evening. And listeners, before we go, I just want to give you an update that tomorrow, I'm sorry, Wednesday of this week, we'll be doing another episode of Our Voices, Our Stories, the third episode. And that episode's going to involve talking about on being our sister's keepers. Our guest for that particular show will be Miss Rebecca, Doctor, I'm sorry, Rebecca George, Doctor Alexandria Smith, and Miss Bethany Loper. So thank you all for listening. We hope you tune in this Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is Doctor Colbert signing off. We'll see you guys next week. Good night. Good night. Good night. Thank you for joining us. For Good night. With your host, Doctor Donna Maria Colbert. You may contact us at 866-829. 0163. We're looking forward to you tuning in next Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Until next week, remember to define yourself for yourself. Dare to be different and dream in color. This is Dr. Colbert signing off for Visibility. Good night.